Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Rosie. Yeah, it's very exciting. We have the return of an old companion on this <laughs> podcast episode tonight. Aww. <laughs> and Rosie and Rose... Because this fanfiction is about Rose Tyler from Doctor Who. I spoiled it. There we go. <laughs> spoiled the whole fanfic. Yep. Let's just end this now. What's our criticism? Uh, um, I hated it. It was terrible. Her her name isn't, <laughs> What's our praise? isn't Rosie. Oh, that's a good one. What's <laughs> yeah. our praise? Um, I like Rose Tyler. Okay. I like Doctor Who. This has been episode 95 yeah. of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, let's spend a little bit more time talking about it than that. Rosie, you just said something about liking Doctor Who. Yes, I do like Doctor Who. <laughs> Who Could doesn't? Can you tell us a little bit about your background with Doctor Who? Actually, before you do that, let me just comment for people who have not been keeping close track of when various guests have been on this show that Rosie was with us for the Kingdom Hearts fanfic a long time ago. Yeah, like, uh, maybe that was a year ago? More than a year ago? Probably more than a year. Yeah. It was back when we could actually was. gather physically to record this podcast. Oh, those are the days. Again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're on episode 95, so go us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we have a ways to go until we go for as long as Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get there. If you can make it to like 50 years. <laughs> anyway, I have invited yeah. you back tonight specifically, mostly on the basis of your liking Doctor Who credentials. So go ahead and elaborate on those for us. Yeah. So I got into Doctor Who in college. It was something that um, my friends, my college group of friends were really into at the time. And that was in like 2009, 2010. So Matt Smith had just become the doctor or was just about to become the doctor. Uh, we were at the end of the 10th doctor, David Tennant years. So um, my friends showed me a couple episodes and I really liked it. So it was available on Netflix at the time. So I watched everything that was available, all the 9th and 10th doctor knew who episodes and I got pretty obsessed and read some fan fiction and spent a lot of time on the wiki. And I got a little out of the fandom uh, as they got into the the new writer, into the Stephen Moffat years, uh, kind of in the middle of his run. I got a little less interested, but I do still keep up with it somewhat. It's It's not kind of as up there among my favorite shows as it once was, but I still have a lot of fondness for it, and I, I like the new Doctor as well. Yeah. I recently went in and, I, and caught all the way up, because the the Peter Capaldi episodes, like, I wasn't as impressed, and I was already drifting off, you know, during the, the Matt Smith episodes when Stephen Moffat... Once I lost Russell T. Davies, I was like, eh, eh. But the show's still good. It's just it's not as great as when the reboot first started, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I, more and more, I appreciate 
Russell T. Davis's run. And I think what he was trying to do is very much my thing. He does a lot of things that I like to see in stories. So that's mm-hmm. still my favorite part of new Doctor Who. I've just always thought that, like, Stephen Moffat wrote some really good episodes, you know, like, Silence in the Library, but, like, his thing is mostly suspense, not the long-term plots. Yeah, he's not, he's not great at that. He, he, he did still have some good one-off episodes, I think, within his run, but when it came to telling the longer-form stories, it was a little disappointing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still good. It's just not, like, and, and I try not to be too critical. It's just, like, one of those things that you really love, you you always want it to be as perfect as you remember it, I guess. Yeah. and it's, That's how I feel. And it's, I guess it's a show that changes, too. So it's going to, different seasons and doctors are going to appeal to different people. I do like the new the new doctor, though. I think she's doing a good job. Yeah, me too. It- so, Tori, it sounds like you are also, like, an old beginning of New Who sort of fan. Totally. Um, I literally had seen no Doctor Who before um, the new, the rebooted show started in 2005. And then I still think I was a little late in it, and, and we didn't really have it on television. We had to find it on the internet in 2006 was probably when I started watching it. So I was, like, you know, caught up and then kept watching it onwards from there. So I'm, yeah, really a new Doctor Who fan, but when I was in college, um, I did a paper on the Daleks because I was in, like, a um, history of robots automatons class. So I went back and watched every episode that contained Daleks. So I went back and, like, saw bits and pieces of every season, or, like, episodes from every season, but then I kind of regressed and saw bits and pieces from the old seasons as well. But really, I'm basically a new Doctor Who fan, mostly... Chris Eccleston and David Tennant. And I've seen all of the new Doctor Who. And I, I still like Matt Smith, too. And I like the new Doctor. She's good. I don't remember her name. But really, like, the first five seasons of the Doctor Who reboot were the ones where I was, like, obsessively into it. Oh, good. I'm glad I chose probably an appropriate fanfic for you two, then. Yeah, yeah it's right there. It's after the second season, I think, or mid-second season. Uh, mid-second season, because aren't... Uh, look, I, I know this from Wikipedia. I'm at the Doctor Who level of knowledge here. Um, <laughs> but it, apparently Rose and the Doctor get, like, separated into the second season, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. That's when that, oh. that happens. Wow, that seems so quick. I feel like... Yeah. Yeah, Nine wasn't around for very long, was he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll get into that. So, yeah, I, I had the task of finding a Doctor Who fanfic while knowing very, very little about Doctor Who. And so let me walk you through my process here. Mostly I just found a New Who fanfic writer who was very active in the early days of the fandom. Namely WMR, sometimes known as Windy MR. And then I just kind of looked over their um, you know, set of stories on whofic.com. We're talking, you know, like 286 stories. They're very prolific. And I just chose one that was a length that we could manage that had a lot of comments on it. Because on a, 
on an archive like this, usually comments mean people liked it. And this was like one of the very top most reviewed fanfics. Um, and definitely the most reviewed that we could handle, about 40,000 words total. It's called Disintegration, and it was written in 2006. It appears you're right, Tori, that like it's set mid-season two. I, I don't know where they were in actual airing at that time. Well, it was written in 2006, which makes me think that because it, the reboot started in 2005, and the season... 2002? Wait, what? Did I say 2002 or something? No, 2006. 2006. 2006, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, well, it makes me think, because they, they always do this, like, Christmas special, and then kind of, like, starting of the season, I guess. I'm trying to remember how it goes, but it makes me think they weren't very far into season two. I think it was, I can maybe pinpoint the episode, I think it was right after the mid-season two-parter. Uh, because back in the day, they would always have uh-huh. a two-part finale and a two-part set of episodes in the middle. Or maybe it wasn't two-part, uh-huh. but it it was, I think, right in the middle of the season. And it's like right after the episode where – this isn't going to mean much to you, Amato, but it's right after the episode where Rose and the Doctor go to a parallel universe and meet an alternate version of her dad who's dead in the real world and – that was a two-part episode. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I thought it. Well, that's referenced heavily in the fanfic, so it's got to be after it. I certainly don't know enough to know whether it was just after or whatever. Yeah, I think it's just after, because it's like she's, not to get too much in the story, but she's reacting to things that happened in that two-parter. Oh, that's such a good point, because, yeah, like, a lot of what's brought up is that, I mean, she's messed out on a bunch of stuff, and we'll get there. But a big thing is that it's about her dad and seeing her dad in the alternate universe. And I kept thinking, like, but she also saw her dad back, you know, before, right when, well, shortly after she was born, when she was a baby, she went back in time and tried to save her dad from dying. So why is she so messed up about seeing him again versus that scenario? It would make sense that that scenario where she saw her dad in the parallel universe had just happened recently. Yeah, and it's <laughs> also the episode where uh, where Mickey, her her ex-boyfriend decides to to leave and stay in the other world so at least in this fanfic she kind of views that as like a a death because she's never going to see him again Uh now um these are questions that like of exact you know when the story is set and such that i probably could have clarified if i'd managed to get in contact with the author wendy mr she's still online still writing fanfics it appears but, like, nowhere that I had easy access to contacting, and I just kind of gave up. I think it was, like, through live journal. maybe I could have tried, but um, I just couldn't find a contact that I was, you know, really able to use. And I've got such low mental energy right now that I kind of didn't push it. So sorry, Wendy MR, or WMR, if you wanted to, um, you know, comment on any of this if you were listening to this later. I'd also like to add, you can find a link to this fanfic on whofic.com at bit.ly slash rfr who. By the way, while we're talking about the author, did either of you read the interview that I linked you to? I did. The the main interesting thing to me, I mean, it's, it comes up very heavily and early, is just that this author was really active in the Lois and Clark fanfic scene hmm. before moving to Doctor Who. Kind of, kind of funny. Uh, it implies to me that the author is uh, probably a little older than us, like, um, 
Because I watched Lewis and Clark when I was, like, a kid. You know what I mean? And I think she yeah. she said something about writing fan fiction since, like, 1987? Sometime in the late 80s. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. Hmm. That's a long run. Some other things, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very impressed by her ability to write because she's just written so much. And I just like to throw out there... Um, we did one Lois and Clark fanfic a long time ago, and I was very impressed with the fandom's organization and, like, prolificness. Like, that that's a pretty solid fanfic scene for a, you know, live-action TV show that I didn't think was that successful at the time. What I find interesting about that is is that my friend who got me into Doctor Who is also a big Lois and Clark fan, so it makes me wonder if there's some <laughs> overlap between those fandoms. I, I, I think... There must be, like, uh, like I liked Lewis and Clark a lot when it was coming out. Like, I watched it with my parents. Tori, but then... you were saying Lewis and Clark like, you know, the overrated explorers. I said Lewis and Clark. Mm-hmm. I is thought it, I heard Lewis and Clark. Like is it my accent? Maybe. Nobody likes my accent. <laughs> anyway. Lewis and Clark. I, I said that was... That was still Lewis and Clark. It, maybe it sounds like Lewis to you. I have no idea. It does. It does sound a little like Lewis. <laughs> All right. Well, stop picking on me. Well, we know you're saying Lewis. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, so Lewis and Clark, which apparently, apparently doesn't sound any different from Lewis and Clark, but whatever. Um, I liked that a lot when I was a kid because I watched it with my folks. Um but Doctor Who was something like me and my brother got into on our own when we were teenagers. But I, I can kind of see the overlap because it's kind of melodrama-y, you know? It is, it's a little bit corny, but it's also superhero-y. And that's all fun. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, speaking of melodrama, let's jump into the fanfic itself, I think. Um, maybe melodramatic isn't exactly the, the term for this fanfic. But let's talk about it a little bit. Disintegration by WMR, about 40,000 words, written 2006, uh, I guess May and June, published, apparently. Published May 24th, 2006, updated June 2nd, 2006. So either the author published it all at once and then, you know, edited it a tiny bit, or she wrote it very, very quickly and was just hammering out those chapters at like one per day. I do not know. Well, either way, impressive work. Yeah. Either way, yeah, let's talk about it. So can one of you start us off uh, about what the premise of this fanfic is and how it starts off? Yeah. Um, so it, like I said, I, I think it takes place right after the episode, that, that two-parter where they go to the parallel world and there are Cybermen. And it's like an alternate universe where instead of the season continuing with Rose and the Doctor going off and having more adventures, Rose decides that she's had enough and decides to leave the Doctor and goes home and is there for like six years, readjusts to the world, uh, goes back to school, gets a job as a journalist, hangs out with Sarah Jane, his other companion who shows up earlier in that season, and then and I, I guess I can go farther. She then ends up reconnecting with the 
ninth and ten do- tenth doctors again and kind of yeah. returning but as a new and more mature person. All right, that's a good high level overview. Yeah, that's a good arc, but yeah, like a lot of the story lives in Rose's Rose chooses very quickly to leave the doctor and it lives in this space where she's coping with that. And then a big part is her, like, not actually the, like, the therapy sessions she goes to, but her decision to go to therapy and how she recognizes in that how she's grieving for all these different people, for a loss of Mickey, for a loss of her father, even her alternate universe father. Loss of nine, I guess. Um, sort of. Maybe that's not so much one of her issues that's getting at her here, huh? Um... But yeah, let's let's back up a little bit to this decision to leave the doctor because, like you said, it's mostly it's it's largely in Rose's mind. Though we do also get in the doctor's mind a couple of times um, in these chapters. And so, when she's deciding to leave, she's sort of uh, fearing the future abandonment that she saw happen, or you know, when she talked to Sarah Jane, uh-huh. who's one yeah. of the old school companions. And who just sort of, like, got left behind, but apparently reappeared in the New Who series early on, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. And um, there's a big thing about it. Um, And I think this fanfiction actually does a good job of describing what the implied feelings were. And that's something this fanfiction does well, is making explicit what they can only imply, because the Doctor is not supposed to have romantic interests, even though they're all implied romantic interests. And that's (laughs) that Sarah Jane, upon meeting... Rose, who's 19, you know, or maybe 20. I, she's 19 when she first started just traveling with the doctor. Upon meeting her, is like, well, yeah, you replaced me with a young, hot blonde, and now I'm in my 40s, you know. Uh, but she does, never says that explicitly in the show. But what this fanfic does well is making that explicit because it's totally implied. And she does have jealousy at first, and Rose also has jealousy because she's like, and confusion. She's like, this woman, you just left her behind? And in this fanfic, what happens is Rose starts thinking about it. She's like, oh, right. And that's something that's directly addressed in that episode with Sarah Jane, too, is like, he's going to have to watch them grow old and die. So he either leaves them before that happens, or he has to deal with that. And she's thinking, well, shoot, he's going to leave me eventually because he doesn't want to watch me grow old and die. So I'm going to leave on my own terms. And that's what she decides to do. Yeah. Right. And it's a tense scene because she is kind of trying to rip off the band-aid or like, you know, sort of like leave him first before she can be left eventually and all that. And he is trying to respect her decision and therefore not like push her on it or for her reasons. And so it's very much a kind of like not communicating with each other very well sort of scene. She also, you know, seems to think that she cares more for him than he cares for her. And so it's just kind of all tense and awkward and unresolved and emotionally difficult. Yeah, actually, I will say, I just want to point this out. What I really kind of appreciate about this fanfic is, like, at first, it's all about her decision to leave the doctor before he leaves her. But then what continues to go on is, and I think it's even maybe, you know, a year or so after she's gone home and she says, oh, my mother needs me, you know. Um, Jackie mm-hmm. needs me. And it turns out she's like, oh, but Jackie's got her own life now. Like, maybe she doesn't need me as much. And then she starts to think about the deeper reasons why she's left. 
And a lot of that comes down to grief, which we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because she is very, um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm like trying to figure out how to say this. She's like a little deluded at first about what she's actually feeling and why she's actually leaving. And she's built up this story in her head about why she has to leave the doctor, but realizes that none of that was true. And there was all this buried stuff that was actually going on, which is kind of an interesting thing to do with the character. It really is. And like, this is, we have to keep in mind that Amato probably doesn't know this either, but the author also didn't know this at this point, the way that Rose's story arc ended up, which was her in the parallel universe choosing to stay with a human replica of David Tennant's version of the 10th Doctor. Which is, like, the only companion that I'm aware of who's gotten to, like, stay with a version of the Doctor and grow old with them and die with them in a romantic implied, because it's always implied (laughs) in the show, partnership. So Rose was always implied to be much more romantic partner with the doctor, even though I think, you know, it's clear that some other companions have crushes on him, etc. than anyone else. And for that reason, she's also like my favorite. I love her. (laughs) She's like, she, but she's, I mean, first of all, Billy Piper, great acting, despite just like being this pop star that came out of nowhere. And, um, but she's the most like the doctor of, of any of the companions. And then her story arc ends with her getting with a human version of him. And it's like the author of this fanfic didn't know that, but they could already tell that that was, I don't know, something that we would want, right? As an audience and both as the writers. I wanted to speak to what uh, Tori was saying about the author kind of having a sense of where Rose's story was going. Because that was something I found really interesting about this fanfic as a whole, that the author knew there was so much the author didn't know about what was going to happen, but she predicted a lot in a certain way, like Sarah Jane coming back and being an important character in the universe and Jack coming back and being important and traveling with the 10th Doctor, Rose kind of getting to be with the Doctor uh, there was kind of a surpri- surprising amount that she sort of anticipated. Yeah, it was actually really cool. And um, I think we should walk through the story a little bit more because there there are also a few points I want to touch around on that. And the, the main one that I will preface with is there's an element of wish fulfillment here. And the wish in the story is fulfilled to a greater extent than it is in the actual media. And I think there's a reason for that. But let's talk about, so we're kind of at the point where Rose has decided to leave the doctor. Yeah, chapter one, she agrees and to we, leave him. Or she she yeah. decides to leave him. He doesn't push her on it, but obviously he's very upset about it. He gives her, or, you know, he, she still has her cell phone that can contact him if necessary. And he says, you know, call any time, like, I'll pick you up. But she is trying her best not to do that. And so she's, that's all like chapter one. She's back in her home time, more or less. And then she has to like build back up a life from from being a companion of the doctor, which seems like a very difficult thing to do. And like for one thing, 
you know, she, she doesn't have a job, she doesn't have anything. Her mom doesn't actually need her that much. Her mom kind of got used to having her not around and just visiting. And she can't even, like, she's distant from her old friends because she's been gone for a while, and also she can't really talk about what she's been up to. Like, her cover story is she's been traveling the world, but she can't, she hasn't really been and doesn't really have those experiences even, or connections or stories or whatever. And so it's a rough transition. As you would imagine it would be. Um, I think this is this part of the story that's done really well, as it's all kind of Rose's perspective, like, oh, I thought my mom really needed me, but I guess she moved on. I, I thought my friends really, you know, I could hang out with my friends, but it's not so much, they did move on, but it's not just that. It's like that she can't even tell them what she's been doing, so they can't connect anymore. And eventually she does think of someone who she could talk to who would kind of understand what she's been going through. And that's Sarah Jane, and she goes and tracks down Sarah Jane and, you know, um, gets in touch with her. Because I think it was in the episode that, that, maybe it wasn't, but either way in this story, Sarah Jane says, you know, you, you can always get in touch with me whenever. And in this story, it's implied, like, oh, when the doctor leaves you, or I guess in this case, when you leave the doctor, I'll be around to talk about that. Right. And so they do talk about it. And I don't know anything about Sarah Jane either, but does, does one of you want to speak to her character here? Yeah, I mean, I have only watched some classic Who, so I mostly know Sarah Jane from how she's portrayed in New Who. But like Tori said earlier, she shows up in an episode in season two, now um, middle-aged, and it's been a long time since she's seen the Doctor. And at first, she's a little jealous of Rose, but then... They get over that pretty quickly and uh, become pretty close friends. And she decides, like they mentioned this fic, I think the doctor gives her a chance to come with him again. And she says no, because she has built a life or she she wants to build a life in, in her own time. And she so she makes this decision to, to stay in the present. And I also know she's a journalist and... She ended up getting her own uh, spinoff show where she and a bunch of meddling kids solve mysteries. So that's pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. She's a fun character. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Well, and, and she's like exactly what Rose was to the previous incarnation of the Doctor. Like someone who was an implied romantic interest. But I guess we should talk about this because this is... The interesting part of this fanfic that deviates from the model of Doctor Who. We'll get to how it does. But to set up, the model of Doctor Who is, he's an alien. He's 900 years old by the time he meets Rose. Um, he gets even older. And, you know, he started out as a grandfather. You know, he was an elderly man. But when the younger incarnations of the Doctor came about, the companions he traveled with started to be implied romantic interests. But they could never take it to a place where they actually were romantic interests. Because he's a time-traveling 900-year-old, 700-year-old, whatever old alien, right? Um, So there's always this element of, like, frustration, where it's like, oh, yeah, those two should get together because they're perfect for each other, but oh, no, wait, they're not, because they're centuries apart in age and have totally different backgrounds, experiences, and physiologies, biologies, whatever, I guess physically similarities, but whatever. (laughs) And so Sarah Jane was the first one to kind of fill that role early on. 
And so that's why she was a really good foil for Rose. And bringing her in in the new Doctor Who was like, be like, oh, hey, look at Rose. What's going to happen here, <laughs> basically? Yeah. And also this weird thing that happened, which was Chris Eccleston um, only got one season as the Doctor, even though he was spectacular. Because apparently, I, I think it was that the audience or the writers, the producers thought he was too old for Rose, who was supposed to be 19. And it's like, well, he's also 900, but whatever. So they brought in David Tennant, who was younger um, and also much younger looking. Hmm. Yeah. And I think I've also heard there's there's a lot of speculation that Christopher Eccleston had, like, didn't like working on the show and had some problems with the the creators. Mm-hmm. But it's all kind of shrouded in mystery. It did, yeah. Interesting. But he was only around for one season, which is, and he was spectacular, like you said, so it's sad. <laughs> But this author, like, I mean, of course, because they were only, like, half a season removed from him, totally had that recognition. But they also do a good tribute, because David Tennant was an amazing doctor as well, so. Well, in this yeah, case... Yeah, he, he... Yeah. Oh, sorry, continue. Oh, I was just saying, he's he's definitely my favorite, David Tennant. You know what's weird? I, like, thought David Tennant was my favorite, and I always had a super crush on him, too. But when I went back and rewatched from the very start, I was like, but Chris Eccleston is also really amazing. It's just that he only gets one season, so it's hard to remember, like, how incredible he is. I think they're actually tied in my mind at this point. Mm. Yeah, he is all, He is also very, very good. <laughs> I like him a lot. Well, in this fanfic, um, Sarah Jane ends up becoming a very supportive friend to rose in multiple ways and you know she both encourages like oh you're like you're a strong person you can do this you can like you know find your life again here and you don't have to go back to him if like that's not emotionally what's good for you but it's also kind of through her that um she's the one who encourages uh rose to seek therapy which like you said tori is sort of a through line of the middle part of this fanfic of her like recognizing that she was experiencing grief and then depression and kind of working herself through it Right. And there's talk about her going on medication for her depression. Um, there's talk about her processing her grief. And we mentioned this before, that she was grieving Mickey, who went to the parallel universe and because the portal between those universes has been permanently closed at this point. Apparently opens once again later, but the author doesn't know this and we don't know this in the story. Um, she'll never see him again. And he was her boyfriend. And even when she was traveling with the doctor, she would still come back to him and he'd be like a rock for her, right? Tori. But then... Tori, your description huh? of that just kind of hammers home how how this fanfic is so much about taking extremely real human reactions to absurd Doctor Who plot points. Huh? Like, that's kind of what the author's trying to do, right? Is, like, bring this back down to a level of of very firm emotional reality. But you're right. But it's not that Doctor Who doesn't do that in its own way. It's just that it doesn't do it to this complete sense that the author right. does it. it. It's like, it's always at the fringes. It's like, there is implied grief. Like, when Jack... Rose knows that Jack died. She knows, like, she she doesn't realize he came back to life. And there's sadness there and there's sadness around Mickey 
but it lasts like that episode and then it's on to the next hijinks you know and it it only comes back maybe seasons later this is living in and processing the real grief of that situation i i was kind of um i guess impressed both by the author's perceptiveness and also by what the show is able to imply without really saying because Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never read this author before or read this fanfic before, but a lot of what she was saying really fit with how I viewed the situation, even though right. it wasn't said explicitly in the show. Like the fact that they were, the doctor was really cruel to Mickey, and in some Hell ways, yeah. Rose was cruel to Mickey, which they sort of address, but not as in depth as in this fanfic. And the fact right. kind of the relationship with her mom, with her mom being kind of a, a little, I don't I don't want to say emotionally abusive, but not the most supportive person at all times and kind of missing her, but also kind of wanting to lead her own life and not really needing her. Um, and the way she relates to Sarah Jane, like these were all things that were kind of addressed a little bit in the show and hinted at but the way the author uh kind of expands it felt just really natural to me and it felt like what was there right it's like all the things that they said in like one poignant line in doctor who where you're like oh the author does the actual work of digging into the realities of those emotions occasionally it almost seemed a little too like telly to me there were mm-hmm. moments when the author would lay out exactly what was going on in rose's head or exactly what this relationship with was and part of me was like well of course that's the relationship that's that's obvious and maybe and i guess maybe it wasn't as obvious as i thought it was so it's a little bit of a i guess a a double edged sword it's like it's cool to see the author laying all these things out, but because the show does such a good job implying it, there's a part of me that's like, well, why do you need to to say it explicitly? We we know that that's there. So I guess that's a little bit of criticism, yeah. but not entirely. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, you're hitting on some of my stuff too, which I think we're approaching on. It's in the same vein, which is that... So Rose, uh, half of the fanfic is Rose spending time going to therapy, talking to Sarah Jane, processing her grief around Jack and her father and losing the doctor and even losing, you know, Chris Eccleston, the ninth doctor, because he became sort of a different person and then losing David Tennant and then um, moving on to finally getting her new life in order until... Yeah, so she's the doctor comes back. Yeah, she's back in her time for like six years, and she ends up getting kind of into journalism through Sarah Jane. She's not writing things, but she's like working in that industry, right? Um, is she writing articles? No, I don't. She's a researcher, researcher, right? I don't Mm. know how she started, but anyway, um, and so she's pretty well settled, and you know, pretty well over her grief, and you know, she's no longer on medication for depression, and you know, has kind of grown a lot as a person in various ways. And then... 
Yeah, but can I just say that that that's the part of the fan, the first half of the fanfic where all that happens, where she deals with her emotional stuff. That's the part I liked. Mm-hmm. It's when the doctor comes back that I start going, oh, this is getting a little weird. And anyway, here's what happens. <laughs> right. She sees the doctor just like by chance, but it's nine. It's not ten. And, you know, he he doesn't manage to like get away in time. Like, you know, he he's like, oh, wait, that's that's Rose. but She's much older. So this must be after. But, you know, she catches up to him before he can just like slip away surreptitiously or whatever. And they get into a lengthy conversation. And once he starts talking to her, he realizes that she left him in some sort of emotionally fraught circumstance and, you know, is cl- clearly has, like, some unresolved stuff about it. And so he eventually is like, oh, well, you know, we've talked too much already. I'm going to have to wipe my own memory after this anyway. So he just sits down and tries to, like, talk her through what was going on that, you know, you you left me later on. And, you know, what was I doing? And what's the whole deal here? Yeah, this is kind of cute. They slotted into the, the time that they went to 2012, which at the time was the future. <laughs> um, and they took somebody with them. What is his name? Adam? Yeah, I think. Adam. Anyway, yeah. They went to the future with him, but he fucked up and he had some alien brain thing installed and, you know, just to let you know, motto. Yeah, but then they were like, well, you fucked up because you messed with alien tech and had it installed in your brain, and that's weird. Also, by the way, it's like a window that opens up to his actual brain, so he can, like, port into some, like, internet computer, but it opens when you snap your fingers, so in the episode, like, they send him back to 2012, and they're like, you never travel us again because you, like, fucked with alien tech, Um, and then, like, the mom is, like, trying to call the dog and, like, snaps her fingers, and the brain port opens, and that's the end of the episode. But anyway, the doctor went to try to, like, follow up on this guy, right, in 2012 or 2013 and see, like, make sure his alien brain tech wasn't, like, infecting the world. And that's when he catches up with Rose, who's six years older. It works out. Right. Yeah. So this conversation, I think part of it is just she's already sort of processed a lot of this stuff, but she hasn't talked to the doctor about it. And so that's sort of her... First, it's kind of another emotional hurdle here for her to do that, even though she's not talking to the version of the Doctor that she left originally, um, because, you know, Doctor Who and all that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is an interesting conversation. The Doctor just wants to know why she left. Um, So she basically tells him the whole story, and it kind of comes down to the fact that, like, He's asking her the right questions. He's saying, well, well, would you have left had you known that, like, you were just in this process of grief that you needed to work through? And she basically says, no, I, I wouldn't have left. I didn't realize that. I feel like this part of the story is kind of funny. I don't know if y'all agree, but it's like, well, if she got to a point in, in processing it where she realized she wouldn't have left given the alternative of just processing and moving on, which she's already done, why hasn't she called him or gone back to him at this point? Yeah, I'm, it kind of... And the author, I think, tries to address it, but... I mean, I guess it kind of made sense, because, to me, in a way, just because it seemed like she was almost maybe punishing herself for making this mistake. Yeah. That was the sense I got anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, what the author says is it would be too hard to rejoin him and then have to do it all over again. But, like, I, I don't really buy that 
as her real motivation. So I, I think Rosie might be up on the right track more with that, perhaps. Mm. Well, in any case, when when it comes down, he's like, really, it seems like you want to be traveling with me again, right? So, and, you know, eventually they talk to that and she's like, yeah, I, I guess I don't actually want to stay here. I, I, I'm really yearning for that adventure and that, you know, relationship with you later again and all that kind of thing. And so he offers to take her to himself in his personal future. Yeah, it's a little frustrating that he has to be the one to, like, tell her that, you know. Right, because, like you said, he he could have made that call, but the the author has it go through nine. And so he takes her back to the TARDIS, and then they have um, a quick affair, I guess? Yeah. I I summarize very much, but... Yeah, this is the point where it went completely bonkers for me. <laughs> me too. I, th- I think we're on the same page here. I-, I feel like for me, it was because earlier they were in, you were inside nine, the ninth doctor's head. And he was thinking about how he loves Rose, but kind of not in that way. He loves her like in this deep, like more than friendship, but not quite romantic love sort of way at least that was the way right. it seemed to me and then suddenly she kisses him and then they they hook up it seemed like a weird sort of left out of left field kind of moment yeah this is one part i just really wanted to talk about because i mean the whole fanfic kind of takes the left turn from here but yeah there's a whole sex scene between the ninth doctor and rose and, uh, first of all, there's the whole, like, implied age thing that the creators tried to not have them be romantic because they were, like, she was, like, 19, he was, like, 40-something. So that's a little bit weird, but also he's actually 900, so that's even more weird. But even beyond that, it was, like, so far this fanfic was exploring kind of the emotional implications that were already there in Doctor Who. And now it's kind of a wish fulfillment of them hooking up. But for some reason, even though when Rose gets with the human version of the 10th Doctor in the alternate universe, I was like, yay, that's sweet. And they're going to be together and be a couple. I still felt really like put off by every sex scene in this. Mm. I just felt like this is somehow not right and i'm struggling to describe why but it just it it feels like it's i don't know like in doctor who you're you're not supposed to see that (laughs) like the doctor's not supposed to be a sexual being or like especially because now she's a little older she's 25 but that's still pretty young this all felt really bizarre to me I, i don't know maybe someone else can help me explain my feelings better well i think you're just maybe not the audience of of a sex scene like this like you weren't pushing for that like i'm sure a lot of fans were and in terms of the maturity level no. at least the author does make a point of being like it's six years later and she's a lot more of an adult with like experiences and like but a sense he's of 900 yes, I, and I an alien you don't, you don't just get i don't know infinitely more emotionally mature it seems in doctor who it's not that he is like you know um what would it be for like he's not like 36 times as 
you know, emotionally mature as she is because he's 900 years old and she's, you know, 25 or whatever. Sure. They're they're supposed to be a lot more on the same kind of level of being able to relate to each other as adult humanoid beings. I get it. It's just, it was weird to me. And maybe Rosie could help me explain this. I agree. I felt similarly. I'm, I'm not opposed to a Rose doctor sex scene. I had a crush on especially David Tennant back in the day, and I liked their relationship. Mm-hmm. But I think the issue I had with it in this fan fiction is it felt really abrupt and sudden. It's, I think what, what it kind of comes down to is a little what you were touching on, Tori, that the fan fiction was really rooted in kind of an emotional reality and also in building on what was present in the show. And something that's really present on the show is this idea that, like, the doctor really loves Rose, but he's not going to cross the line into any kind of romantic uh-huh. relationship because, uh, right. you know, because he's a 900 years old, because he knows it could be messy, because that's just not what he does. There's all, all kinds of implied reasons. But yeah. then it happens very suddenly without much thought on either of their part and it seems very easy and in order for this to be believable in a fanfic that's so built on the sort of emotions of the characters in the show i think they would need it there would need to be something more dramatic that happened or some kind of larger build up to for that to feel like it fit so it felt like it almost became a different story at that point it absolutely did. And you are so absolutely right. Like, I've been struggling to find why this story for me was so perfect in the first half and so weird in the second half in my mind. And it's absolutely that. It's that we have decades of this show, you know, and we have this idea that the Doctor will not give up these boundaries, even though we might as fans want him to, especially when he's hot like David Tennant is. Like, not going to lie. But uh, there was no explanation for that. It was very sudden. Yeah, and again, like, especially the Ninth Doctor, he feels like he's got even higher walls up than the Tenth Doctor. So the fact that Uh it was him first and so quickly seemed a little odd. It seemed like he wasn't the same character. And that, I think, is what makes it bizarre. There's a lot of weird emotional stuff here, or, I mean, relationship stuff, including the fact that the Ninth Doctor, in pursuing this very brief fling with Rose, is also fully intending to wipe his memory shortly afterwards, so that he will never remember it. And, I mean, I don't know what that says specifically about the action, it's just very odd. Yeah, he doesn't even seem that torn up about it, either. Well, to some extent, I think he's kind of doing it for her. That's kind of how I read it. It's, like, not as much for himself because, again, he won't remember it, but, like, to give some kind of closure to his relationship with Rose that, like, he, as he knows from talking to her, ended abruptly but with his, you know, sudden regeneration. That's not... That's not the character, okay. though. Like, that's very clearly not the character presented in the media because, like... He could have done that at any point, right? He could have had sex with her at any point if that was the character. And the whole character is, like, withholding that form of emotional intimacy because of 
these specific fears or like boundaries that he's placed on relationships. So to have no explanation for why those boundaries are broken down other than, Oh, I'll forget this. Like that doesn't sound like the character to me. And the way it was sort of laid out in the scene, it, it felt a little strange because I guess the, the pattern of the scene is basically, I'm going to take you back to my future self. And then she wants to, to thank him and express how she feels. So she kisses him. And then he responds to the kiss, even though previously he was thinking internally that he didn't really see her that way. And then he says, how far do you want to take this? And she says, you know, as far as you'll go. And then they have sex. So it doesn't really flow very organically. Uh Like they were just going to travel in the TARDIS and now they're having sex and, I hear you. He didn't. He wasn't willing to do that, and now he suddenly is. Completely agree. Like, and the weirdest part is actually that we start to get something from the Doctor's point of view, but it's not until the Tenth Doctor arrives, when the Ninth Doctor eventually, as the story progresses, he, as he said he would, take her to the Tenth Doctor, um, I think two years after... She had one left. Year. She says it wants him to be one year. One year? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. She wants it to be long enough that he missed her. And I, I get that. And that's okay. But not as long as it had been for her. And that's cool. So she shows up there. But we don't get the doctor's perspective until he until we show up there. And then it's the tenth doctor's perspective. So we never really get why the ninth doctor decided to do what he did. Even though, you know... I know the author didn't have the full series, but I think a lot of that was implied. He was very emotionally closed off, having just been the war doctor before that. Like, he would not have opened up to someone that easily or that quickly. So I agree with you, Rosie, and that's why it felt weird, is it? it just, there was no explanation for why he, he did that. All right, well. But anyway, yeah, he brings her back to the 10th Doctor. Right, he brings, 9 brings her back to 10. They get to have a conversation about this kind of thing and um, what, and there's like a, a little time loop that gets resolved, introduced and resolved at the same time. It's not important. Uh, what is important is that 10 sort of, 9 talks to 10 about his relationship with Rose and sort of explains some of the emotional misunderstanding that was going on, but then encourages them to talk it out themselves. And they do, and there's another sex scene. Yeah. Like, right on the heels. That, it's kind uh, of funny, yeah, This actually. time with the with the Tenth Doctor. Yeah, it's not yep. quite as far as um, Rose and Nine and Ten. Not this fanfic. No. Um, yeah, not yet. To be fair, like, a little before that, I feel like this one was still, I was like, okay, whatevs. But it, it was predicated by this whole, like, first of all, we start getting into the Doctor's perspective, which is a little confusing because we get into the Tenth Doctor's perspective while the Ninth Doctor is still present, so it's not always super clear. He's always, like, he and him, and then you're like, wait, well, whose perspective are we in? So that's one criticism, but it, it I eventually figured out it was the Tenth Doctor's all the time. But he sees Rose passionately kiss the Ninth Doctor, then he's like, oh, so we've done this before, but I don't remember because I wipe my memory. Okay, I guess we're going to do this now. And 
maybe because we had a precursor, it was a little better. Uh, I don't know. It was like another one real rapidly, though. For for me, like the the tenth Doctor sex scene felt even a little weirder because I think because the Doctor was newer, it didn't feel as much like the character to me anyway. So it was like the ninth Doctor scene was weird because I didn't feel like he would do that, but weirdly he still felt in character and like the way he was speaking. But the tenth Doctor felt just very different from how I see him anyway. So it was like, it felt weird that it was happening and also the character felt a little off. So I don't know if that makes sense. I No, it does. I mean, I agree with that. I think at this point I was just like kind of desensitized to the whole situation. I was just like waiting for it to not be a sex scene so I could get back to the character moments I actually wanted. <laughs> Which is weird because like you kind of do want them to get together. But just like not in the way that they did in this fanfic. I don't know. I, I feel like that sounds a little critical, but it did feel like it was like instantaneous wish fulfillment, I guess, mm-hmm. without the explanation that got us there. Well, I mean, speaking as someone who does not know the characters and can't appreciate whether they're in character, it, it felt a lot more natural to have a Rose 10 sex scene because that's that's emotionally what has been being built up through this whole fanfic, like that relationship and tension and romantic tension. Like, that seemed like a more natural culmination instead of, like, a, you know, quickie with a previous incarnation thrown in there towards the end of the story. But you gotta remember that they are the same they person. They are the same person, yes. In many so, ways. yes. I mean, no, I get it. It's just that it's still a different relationship she has with ten that she ha- than she has with nine. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's what I'm gathering. Oh, yeah. No, it's true because they are the same and they're different at the same time. So that that's right. true. But then after that, it's mostly kind of some denouement. Denouement? How do you pronounce that? Falling action? I don't speak French. I would say denouement, denouement. but I don't speak French. So. Um because, you know, she's decided to travel with him and they're just going to work out the whole, like, aging thing and she can keep, you know, popping in with her old life and mother as much as she wants to, which is has, was always the case. But, you know, it's sort of like a, a through line of this story that, like, there is emotional risk involved in this, but that doesn't mean you don't do it at all. Like most relationships. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Right. But again, it's mostly, you know, the first half is really good working through Rose's stuff, really good characterization. The second half is entirely wish fulfillment. And uh, I can't lie, it's partially my wish fulfillment too, because here's what happens next. Rose is aware that the Doctor has a new companion, and in her mind, she's hooking up with the Doctor again, you know, and now the Tenth Doctor Several years later, year. you know, but also immediately. Well, not one, one year, year for from the doctor. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, several years. Uh, no, couple seconds for her. One year for him. Doesn't matter. Um, and she's thinking in her mind. She's like, "Oh, the doctor's new companion, who's going to be back at any moment," because he's mentioned that. Um, I don't want this probably young woman. To think the same thing I would think if I walked in 
on the doctor, you know, with another young woman. So they're all putting their clothes on, they're doing their thing, and guess who walks in the goddamn door? It's Jack. <laughs> it's Jack. And then there's a Jack Did- Rose sex scene. <laughs> no, just yeah, a kiss. I'm joking. I, I, but the, you know, it, it honestly wouldn't be unwarranted. Like. <laughs> Tori, I just want to ask, did you, did you, how soon did you guess it was going to be Jack who was going to be the new companion? Immediately. Me too. As soon as I knew this was wish fulfillment, like, (laughs) but it's also my wish, so I can't. (laughs) It's true. Yeah, and and like you said, he does come back on the show, right? Like, that's a thing. And so it's not like. Not really. Oh, Oh, Okay. Well, he appears. He he does. But I mean, ex- he doesn't become a regular cast member again, but he has a couple episodes where he comes back and travels with the 10th right. Doctor. But he says that he can't be around Jack because he's like an abomination that never should have occurred. So their relationship is like permanently damaged after Jack is brought back to life by Rose absorbing the TARDIS, TARDIS energy. Um, so this is another aspect of wish fulfillment in which Jack is not an abomination that the Doctor can't be around. And also, Rose can apparently remember that she absorbed the TARDIS energy, even though it was specifically explained in the episode that if she ever remembered her, like, brain would burn out or something, but whatever. Uh, I think there's enough attention to continuity detail that, you know, we can we can give them a pass on one, if that's the case. Well, two. Well, no, no, they didn't know about the Jack thing at this point. Right. Good point. So, yeah, yeah. um... Good pass on one, yes. Good and there's, you know, an emotional reunion because they cared for each other too, Jack and Rose. Um, and it sort of, you know, leaves off as that in a, you know, forward and onward, like, kind of life looking up sort of way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is, you know, even though um, there were some things that were worried about it, there is it, there is a nice element of wish fulfillment because... Jack Rose and the Doctor were were a really good group, and it's nice to think about they them really being together were. again. I know, and they're like, you know, that scene where like, you know, the dog, the Jack is just chasing after the Doctor. Like, please don't leave me behind. Like, I see you, and Rose doesn't even see him. But he, oh, I don't even know. Maybe it was with Martha at that point. Point being is that like he's chasing after the TARDIS. Like, don't leave me, don't leave me in the show. And this, it's like, oh, I love him and I'm still going to be around him. Man, I wanted that so much, you know? It doesn't fit with, like, the conflict of the show, because the show has to be emotionally conflicted all the time. But this is, like, something I wanted. Especially because Rose gets to kiss Jack passionately, too. And then, of course, Jack has kissed the doctor before, so, like, maybe they're just, like, a very happy threesome. Yeah. Like, that would be totally reasonable. very happy. <laughs> And you know that right? that doesn't feel at all unnatural to me. Like something I appreciated about Jack showing up is like, oh, well, her now making out with Jack is completely in character and completely what would happen in this scene. So that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it was just kind of sweet, you know. It's like, and in terms of that being kind of a lead off to new adventures, I'd just like to add there are two other very short stories in this continuity that the author wrote. One of them related to Jack, and one of them looks like another um, sex scene sort of thing. Yeah, it looks like the the last one might be the threesome story. 
That could be. Well, Jack is present, at least. Um, well, we would have to read it to find out. It is labeled adult. Wait. <laughs> well, sure. Huh. So, wait, are we reading a 10th Dr. Rose and Jack Harkness threesome story? Okay, I'm down. We're not clear that that's what this is, but it could be. Could be a lead <laughs> into that. That's the story reintegrated, by the way. All I'm saying is they're all very attractive. <laughs> yeah, and again, I can I can buy, even though it's hard for me to buy the doctor get, actually getting together with Rose, uh, if he is going to get together with Rose and Jack is present, I do completely buy that they would become a OT3. Yeah. I can confirm that is exactly what the sequel is. I'm just skimming it right now. Well, I guess yeah. there you go. I should. <laughs> anyway, I think we've come to the end, though, of disintegration itself. The other two are disintegration, finding Jack, and then and reintegrated in this continuity. But we've come to the end of that fanfic, so I think we can start to close this up. You two want to uh, reiterate or add whatever complaints you want before we end on praise. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I could, I could go. Um, so I guess I kind of, I kind of addressed the main complaint, just the sex scenes feeling abrupt and maybe not as well built up as they could have been. And I think just to kind of put a bow on that, I think maybe the, maybe the problem is that the first part of the story was very much about kind of emotional realism and also about how things in life are difficult and messy and don't always work out quite the way you want them to. So it felt a little bit strange for it to then become a wish fulfillment story. It felt like a really sharp delineation just because the early part of the story was so much about making a mistake and not being able to to go back and then suddenly to have everything that Rose ever wanted or the fans ever wanted to ha happen in the same story it felt it felt a little like a it felt like a bit of a whiplash and maybe not wholly successful um but i that again that is the kind of wish fulfillment that the fans want so i can understand wanting to put that in there Yeah, I, I'm really on your side with this, Rosie. I, I think you probably explained it better than I could. And we talked about it a bit. It's like, at first, it feels very much like the digging in more emotionally to what Rose feels in Doctor Who. Because the show, in some senses, is superficial. But then, it's like, all of a sudden, none of those concerns matter anymore. Oh, she took her time to work them out. And now we're just going to have a lot of sex. And that's also not what happens in Doctor Who, because everyone's still a little too emotionally far away from that. So if they just put a component in there that would have, like, connected, oh, I realized my grief and my loss, and also the Doctor and Jack or whoever, like, people realized what was holding them back, especially the Doctor, and then the sex scene happened, I feel like that would have made a lot more sense. I don't feel like I'm really grounded enough in this fanfic to give uh, criticism. I was just kind of reading it as a, I, like, I, I think I've seen 
two episodes of New Who. I saw the Weeping Angels episode and probably another one. And neither of those even had Rose. So, like, I don't even know what I'm reading here. Uh, I was just letting it, you know, <laughs> wash over me. I guess maybe it seemed... Yeah, no, no, I'm just going to pass on criticism. And how about we end on praise? <laughs> well, I, I think that's fair, Amato, because in this story, there is a lot of good characterization, a lot of good storytelling. So I understand why you passed on criticism. And I can praise this a lot because, like, as much as the wish fulfillment wasn't predicated on the things I needed it to be predicated on, it was absolutely my wish. And I was like, yes, go. Um, at the same time, I was like, wait, no. But at the same time, yes, go. But actually, beyond that, like, that was all very superficial. The first half of the story where Rose is processing her grief, I was like, it's very insightful of the author to see all the ways in which she's grieving. And, like, I think the audience can see it very clearly, but for her to, for the author to go, like, hey, Rose needs to process all this stuff, and because she needs to process this stuff, she chooses to leave the doctor. I thought that was a really good story of her psychology. Like, you can see evidence of all of that grief and trauma in the narrative. And they used it to create tension in the story, and they even had her be apart from the doctor for six years before reuniting. Like, and yet that was a very compelling narrative. I found that to be highly successful and not something I would have expected. And the author's very sensitive to, you know, Rose and her human experience in all this. And it, it comes through very, very clearly, even to me, that it's just like a very kind of sympathetic look at someone and at life and sort of like the ways that you, you know, have ups and downs and make mistakes and move forward and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to echo a lot of what Tori said, but I think my what I liked best about the fanfic was how well the author seemed to understand the characters and how uh, in their psychology it seemed to be. Um, it had that nice fanfiction quality of feeling like you got to spend more time with these people you really like and get to to learn a little more about them. And it was interesting to see Rose kind of living a life back in the early 2000s and how that would work for her, because that doesn't happen in the show. So she ends up going to this parallel universe instead. So that was really interesting and kind of a good study of the character that I haven't really seen before. And uh, like Tori said as well, even though the wish fulfillment wasn't extremely well integrated into the story there was also something nice about it from the perspective of liking these characters and you know it was nice to get to see them happy and kind of think about how good they were together on the show and kind of see them reunited like that in a way that didn't quite happen in the actual show so yeah i think that the characterization and understanding of the show was was really good overall well speaking of getting to spend more time with people that you like thanks so much for coming on to the show rosie oh thank you for having me yeah and i'm really happy that we kind of had an opportunity to get to doctor who also it's a big fandom and the, this kind of early new who fandom still kind of falls within my sort of tail end of 
retro time frame, 2005, 2006. Oh, actually, I, this is a little off topic, but I was excited to see you getting the fan fiction from uh, Teaspoon and Open Mind, whofic.com, because mm-hmm. I'm on there. My my stories are on here. <laughs> oh, geez, you didn't say that in the, in the intro with your background to Doctor Who? Are you going to share your handle so that we can, you know, direct some traffic your way? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what my handle is on that site. I think it's... That could be a problem. Binary Solo. Yep, I found you. Oh, you did? Yep, it's just binary. That's, you know, with a capital B underscore solo. No weird, like, zeros or I's or or ones or anything. Oh, yeah, it's been so long since I've been on this site. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm just really glad to have someone else who cares as much about Doctor Who, especially the specific seasons I like. Yeah. So we appreciate you. I mean, I do. All things. Well, I'm making up for not really knowing anything about the source material or the fanfic this week by choosing one of my very favorite fanfics next week and indulging myself. So I'm happy that we're going to be doing Sailor Moon 4200 um, next week with another special guest we have not had on before, who we will introduce next time. And Tori, sounds like you've gone started reading it, which is good because I signed a whole novel worth of reading. Yeah, yeah, I'm more than halfway through, so... And so uh, if you want to join us for that next week and you want to be, you know, caught up on things, you better get started. We're going to do like the first seven chapters at least. Uh, We'll see whether I and my guest end up talking about later stuff too. You can find a link to that at bit.ly slash RFR 4200. And that's going to be the link there. It's by um, Agnes McSpawn, who did like the second, the fanfic from our very second episode, Autumn and Spring. So, you know, it's been four episodes or so. Sometimes we get back to the same authors. Maybe we'll get back to WMR sometime if we want to do more Lois and Clark someday. Hmm. This has been episode 95 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Disintegration by Windy MR, WMR. You can find a link there on the Doctor Who fanfiction archive, whofic.com, at bit.ly slash rfr who. The intro song to the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku, and the outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at retrofanfic or on Reddit at fanficretrospective. You can send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com or you can leave comments or reviews on probably pretty much whatever podcast service you tend to use. Our home base is Podbean, but Apple Podcasts seems to be important for the metrics and people leave reviews and stuff. Any of those would be greatly appreciated, and we'll try to respond or reply or incorporate your suggestions and feedback. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Rosie. We're just three Earth life forms from the 21st century trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Beth, I was trying I was thinking about how to make the doctor really sound
But I was trying. I was thinking about how to make the Doctor Who sound effect noise with my mouth, and I was like, "Never mind." You could. I can't be a key on a bass string. Do the theme song. Just do a little. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Keep it up. That was better than our old attempts at like the Star Trek opening. Which which Star Trek opening? Much better. Classic. But Rosie can actually sing, unlike me. <laughs> See, good, yeah. Let's have yeah. you do all of our um, sung acapella versions of okay. TV show openings and such. <laughs> I'll do it. Yes, because we have a lot of those. I mean, we could. We could do one every episode. <laughs> Some of those would be would be easier than others. 